What do you call treasures? Have you ever considered the heavens as God's treasury and the elements found therein as treasures that He shares with us? And what about God's other treasures that we read about in His Word? Stay tuned. Job 38.22 says, Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail? This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. While gold, silver, and precious stones are of great value, there are other treasures talked about in the Bible that are far more significant. As a matter of fact, without these treasures of creation, we would die. Well, what are they? Come with us on a treasure hunt for the next 15 minutes as we discover God's treasures in creation. We'll also discuss how God considers Israel his peculiar treasure and how he's made a way for all people to be part of his treasured family. So just what are these treasures in the sky that we can't live without? Dr. Donald DeYoung, professor of physics at Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana, says one very important component of creation is the wind. Psalm 135, verse 7, tells us that the Lord brings the wind out of his storehouse or treasury. Now, what is wind? It consists of great quantities of air in motion. Masses of air continually move from regions of high air pressure to low pressure, much like water flowing downhill. These pressure differences in turn result from the sun heating various parts of the earth. The wind evens out pressure and temperature differences. Wind also distributes moisture across the earth. It's like a giant spoon constantly stirring the atmosphere, keeping it healthy. Without the wind, severe hot and cold spots would develop at various locations. The wind truly is a treasure, present on the earth for our benefit. But the wind isn't the only element that comes out of God's treasury. Deuteronomy 28.12 tells how the rain comes out of heaven, and Job 38.22 talks about the treasures of snow and hail. ICR atmospheric scientist Dr. Larry Vardaman is especially interested in these treasures. The reason that I was intrigued by this topic is that the word treasures or treasury was actually in a verse that I used when I was in graduate school. As a student, my subject matter was cloud physics, trying to understand what caused clouds to precipitate snow and uh, why there were certain numbers of snowflakes and the various types. So I did lots of studies understanding the different shapes and sizes and numbers of snowflakes and ice crystals that fell out of clouds. And I found in Job chapter 38, verses 22 and 23, a statement that God had made to Job and his friends, emphasizing him as creator. And he asked a very specific questions related to that topic. Job 38, 22 says, Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail? And uh, to me, that was uh, kind of a slogan or a verse that I posted on my wall in my office as a graduate student. Because it was a challenge to me. What I was trying to do was understand a question that God had raised thousands of years before, and I was actually dealing with that particular question. Maybe you've never thought of snow and hail as treasures, especially if you've ever been in a bad hailstorm or if you have to shovel snow each winter. But listen as Dr. DeYoung describes these elements, and consider how God made them part of his creation. 
When conditions are right, by God's command, snow or hail will readily form. Hail results when storm clouds are especially turbulent. Hailstones long ago helped defeat the enemy of Israel, as described in Joshua chapter 10, verse 11. And in the last days, according to Revelation 16, 21, heavy hailstones will fall in judgment, weighing as much as a hundred pounds. Regarding a snowflake, its beauty and symmetry become more clear the closer one looks. The chemical bonding of many water molecules leads to the familiar six-pointed star appearance of a snowflake. The precise shape of a flake depends on the exact nearby conditions, such as air temperature, dust particles, air pressure, wind currents, and humidity. Because of these and many other factors, we know that no two snowflakes are identical, either on the outside or the inside. Now, unique items such as antiques are valuable. They're treasures. And likewise, every snowflake is a unique treasure. It's artwork from God's hand. These natural elements that come forth out of God's treasury and are given to all to enjoy are priceless to us. But out of all of God's creation, people, in particular the Jewish people, are His special treasure. Psalm 135 verse 4 says, For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. Jim Stambaugh holds a master's degree in divinity from Grace Seminary with an emphasis in Old Testament and Hebrew. When you look at the in the, the Old Testament in particular, one finds that God's treasure is his children Israel. They are indeed the chosen people, the apple of his eye. He holds them up so marvelously. As you read through in particular the Psalms, the psalmist stands in wonder and says, God doesn't slumber, God doesn't sleep, he is always active in the regards of his people. Even though the nation of Israel is a treasure to God, the Jewish people have been persecuted throughout human history. Jim Stambaugh says this has occurred and is still happening today because of people who are against God. People don't like God, don't like his people. And that's probably the most succinct way of putting it. They don't like God and don't like his people. So today, the two most probably oppressed groups I'm going to suggest are Jews and Christians, people who have unique relationship with the Creator. So those who believe in Jesus, whether Jew or Gentile, are in God's family of believers and are a treasure in the eyes of the Heavenly Father. We see in the New Testament that we too as the church are a peculiar people, a treasured people. No one has the same relationship with God that we have today. The Old Testament saints long for what we have. They didn't have the indwelling of the Spirit that we have today. They didn't have this wonderful relationship that we have with God moment by moment. We have him, His presence living within us. But why would God consider sinful people a treasure? And, and why would a holy God allow His Spirit to dwell inside of us? Well, often, when one thinks of who they are, each person, while they might look at themselves, hey, I'm a sinner, I'm not worthy. And yet, the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me, for us, Paul says. Even at that point in time, when Jesus died on the cross, he had me in mind, he had the whole audience in mind. So that that person who says, I'm not worthy, yes, you are. 
All you have to do is to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid the penalty for your sin. If you do that, he died as a substitute for you. You can have that unique, peculiar relationship of the church. Dr. Vardaman. The treasure of salvation is freely given. It's a gift. It's not anything that we have anything to do with, but it allows us to spend eternity with God and to see and visit with many of our family and friends that we've known here on earth. It's a fantastic treasure. It's a great gift that we've been given, and we have that spelled out very clearly in Scripture that if we accept Christ as our Savior, His sacrifice is the entrance fee into heaven. And we have that treasure that we're able to uh, take full advantage of. Most times when we hear the word treasures, worldly items of value, such as money, jewels, cars, and houses, come to mind. But Dr. Vardaman reminds us how in the New Testament, Jesus warned not to focus on these types of treasures. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's very easy to see from Matthew 6, 19 through 22, that Christ is talking about spiritual things, not money, not houses and lands. And a lot of people have a hard time with that because they think this is all there is the time we have here on earth. So they save up a lot of these. They put more corn in their barn. They build bigger barns, that sort of thing. But if they have a proper understanding of spiritual issues, they recognize that that's really not where it's at. The treasures in heaven that Jesus talked about are worth so much more than any monetary acquisition. Spiritual treasures are things that are spiritual that we have in heaven, such as doing good to others, such as telling them who Christ is, telling them about God, understanding this world, understanding the uh, promises we have of eternal life and spending eternity with God. And Dr. Bartman says the treasures that we as believers are laying up in heaven are just rewards for our service to Christ and have nothing to do with the free gift of salvation. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So if we think that the treasures that we have in heaven are due to the works that we do here on earth, how does that relate to these scriptures? There seems to be a conflict here. What we need to understand is that the treasures we're laying up in heaven don't have anything to do with our salvation. They have to do with the rewards that we're going to receive when we appear before Christ. And even more interesting than that is that when we receive those rewards, we're going to be given crowns in some cases, and we're going to be casting those at the feet of Jesus. Certainly, hidden earthly treasures such as gold and diamonds are a part of God's creation and are very beautiful to behold. And it's a fact that in our worldly system, money is needed to survive. So we're not saying that money isn't important, just that the emphasis on treasures should be on the true riches. Dr. DeYoung. There are many beautiful objects found underground which are valuable. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 3 refers to these treasures of darkness. 
These are hidden riches stored in secret places underground. They include precious things like gold and silver, mineral crystals, and jewels. One famous example is the Hope Diamond, considered to be worth millions of dollars. There's an interesting description of the search for underground treasures in Job chapter 28. The search is said to be difficult and dangerous. Job 28 ends with a final verse which describes the greatest treasure of all. It's said to be more precious than wind or hail or snow or diamonds. This treasure is identified as true wisdom and is defined as the fear of the Lord. This means the greatest treasure of all is offered to us as a gift. It's the privilege of honoring and worshiping our Creator. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.